This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Voices of Vapors, where we talk all things tobacco harm reduction. Today, I've got Gregory Connolly, an attorney in New Jersey, and he's also president of the American Vaping Association. Chances are, if you've been following the news related to vaping recently, you've seen his name pop up a lot. Um, the American Vaping Association are the AVA's a nonprofit advocacy organi- organization which champions the use of vapor products in electronic cigarettes. He, um, among the roles that he does, besides wearing every hat, he testifies um, in a lot of states, provides information to lawmakers, and he's been featured in news outlets in several countries. He's also been a speaker at numerous conferences and conventions, and prior to his role, prior to founding um, the American Vaping Association, Greg was um, one of the the legislative directors for the Consumer Advocates for Smoke-Free Alternatives Association, or CASA, and he was actually a research fellow at the Heartland Institute. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. How are you? Thank you for having me. Uh, it has been a very busy two weeks, but glad to have a break and talk to someone that actually understands the issue. <laughs> yeah, and on the same side. So, um, and listeners, we will get into that um, later. So we're actually going to kind of give a recap of everything that went down in 2019. So I know I follow it at the Heartland Institute, and I know Greg follows it with AVA. But um, Greg, what, have, what did you see this year and, and the number of bills that came up? Um, I know I was looking at regulation, taxation, and prohibition of um, e-cigarettes all together. Case in point, San Francisco are just flavor bans. Um, so can you talk more about those issues and then some specific states that were key in this in 2019? Sure. Heading into 2019, Pretty much all of the advocates for vaping were well aware that bad things were coming. It was months before, a couple of months before, that the increase in teen vaping had been revealed through the National Youth Tobacco Survey, and opponents were just itching at the bit in nearly every state to enact bad laws. And as you tracked uh, so extensively, there were a lot of bad bills this year. But um, on the bright side, while there were some bad bills that passed that are going to have disastrous consequences, we weren't, except perhaps Vermont, which we can talk about, we weren't really wiped out in any state. California, for instance, as we headed into 2019, we had some strong doubts as to whether or not a flavor ban, a complete and total flavor ban there, was going to be stoppable just because of the nature of California. Right now, it looks like they're heading towards some sort of uh, compromise, or uh, the antis probably will not compromise. And uh, But it looks like some of the re- more reasonable uh, lawmakers in California are heading towards more of a regulation bill rather than a ban bill. Uh, but then this was the year of some dominoes falling on taxes. Yes. The worst tax in the nation is now Vermont. Yep. Vermont's tried flavor bans. Uh, registra- uh, really ridiculous registration requirements, taxes, a little bit of everything under the sun. And this year they managed to do, as I said, 92% of wholesale on everything uh, relating to vaping, as well as a ban on internet sales. Uh, so you can't it's even escape for- it that way, at least not legally. It's not- uh, and we can talk about more of the taxes, but it was definitely a tax year. Now, this wasn't now Vermont. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, it's not a floor tax, though. Correct? 
there is no floor tax, okay. but the, the when this tax went into effect or, or when it passed, there were perhaps five to seven actual vape shops in the state. And before the tax even went into effect, the owner of two of them, both of which are on the New Hampshire border, ended up closing down his stores and moving all of his um, inventory to New Hampshire because he didn't see any chance of survival under the tax with or without a floor tax. And New Hampshire had a vape tax, too, that they had proposed, correct? New Hampshire, a vape tax still could come because the governor there was amenable to the budget, uh, or rather to an e-cigarette tax. But then he vetoed, Sununu, Governor Sununu vetoed a budget because he didn't like what Democrats had done. So I don't believe they have come to a um, a close on that. Uh, meanwhile, in New England, we also had um, Maine pass a vapor tax, the same rate that's applied to other tobacco products, uh, will be applied to vaping products. We had uh, Rhode Island not end up taxing vaping products for what feels like the fourth or fifth year in a row. Massachusetts considered uh, a vaping tax, but they could not come to an agreement uh, on it in the budget. And in Connecticut, we ended up with a bifurcated system. We've, we've seen that in uh, New Mexico as well, where we're having tax rates that are set differently for pod systems, closed cartridges, and e-liquids, the bottled liquids that people purchase usually at vape shops. Yes, and that's another um, topic area I wanted to discuss. It seems that lawmakers are kind of getting to this idea about how this tax schematics um, – the, the promulgator versus wholesale wholesale taxes are kind of picking the winners and shoot the winners and um, losers in this whole tax schematic. So promulgator tax generally tends to favor closed systems versus a um, wholesale tax generally tends to favor um, like reusable systems. You know, it's going to be more of a tax burden on people that are using um, you know throwaway um, e or e cigarettes. Can you explain um, how this kind of came about this year? It's the first year that you actually saw that there were differing tax schematics among the different, um, you know, vapor products. Sure. So often what happens in state legislatures on this issue is that the people who are making the money decisions, the chairs of the finance and tax committees, they're not usually ideologues on the issue of vaping products. They may make a tough speech every once in a while if they need to justify or pull some votes over, but their life goal certainly even in the top 100 is not to hurt the vaping industry. Just the fact is, is that they have a hole and they believe if we can get 5 million from you or 10 million from you, depending on the size of the state, we'll be happy. And so for groups that actually have representation at the Capitol, sometimes the legislators themselves will say, tell us how we can get 5 million. Okay. And in the past, you've then had a tug of war where the closed system companies, the Jewel, Altria, Reynolds of the world, they make small products that come in pre-filled cartridges, usually less than a milliliter or two milliliters. So for them, any per milliliter tax under 30 cents per milliliter uh, and even can go higher, they're willing to accept. Um, but that really hurts vaping businesses because they sell e-liquid in bottles of 60 milliliters, 120 milliliters, et cetera. So what has happened, what used to happen and still will happen 
is you end up just with warring factions in state legislatures and eventually one prevails uh, and the other goes home very unhappy and their business gets hurt. But this year in Connecticut, New Mexico, and then we saw a rollback in New Jersey, New Jersey had passed 10 cents per milliliter in Governor Murphy's first budget about two years ago. And it was readily apparent that that tax was going to hurt the small businesses so much so that the tax implementation was actually delayed uh, two or three different times, or at least the floor tax collection that was initially a part of that. And this year they rolled it back to where the closed system products, they can continue having 10 cents per milliliter, but the e-liquid products, they're instead taxed at only 10% of retail. Uh, and that is a uh, much better situation to be in than at 10 cents per milliliter, which translates to a $12 tax on a 120 milliliter bottle that may retail for 25 bucks or less. Do you, do you think that, um, is there any possibility that that um, tax schematic can be introduced in states that already have pre-existing vaping taxes? It can happen. You need to find champions. Democrat states will be more difficult, but as we saw in New Jersey, it can happen. Yeah, um, okay. There's definitely possibilities. Ohio, for one, that is one of my hope states for 2020. They passed 10 cents per milliliter this year across the board, yep. and there's a great group there, the Ohio uh, Vapor Trade uh, Association, and they have the kind of competent strong-willed, dedicated people that I think are necessary to convince some of these legislators that uh, they can rethink their option and still collect some tax money. Yeah. yeah we, we've got a um, legislative forum member. I won't sit here and say his name on the podcast, but I know that it seemed like that really, that, that came really just out of budget negotiations and just for them to kind of like, it seemed like it was just kind of thrown into that bill. It doesn't seem like there was actually, you know, a big push for making sure we're going to tax vaping, um, but we just need this budget done. So what you're talking about filling the holes, I think Ohio's a perfect example of that. Yes, nearly every vapor tax that has passed in the U.S. has passed as part of a budget. It, it takes a lot of political will to get a tax bill to pass without anything being um, attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've got, we've got some guy in Kentucky that's already looking. He's already introduced a vaping tax for next year. I'm not too happy about that one. <laughs> Couldn't get it done this no, year. No, it's amazing. Sorry, it's amazing seeing some of the legislators in states that are dying the most from smoking, being so willing to just discount any harm reduction benefits for short-term money. Oh, yeah. Well, this guy actually wants to do it to, you know, close their, you know, fix their pension problem. You know, reforming your pensions would help, you know, instead of taxing people who have quit smoking. Um, and that's usually the argument I usually go at lawmakers when I have to sit here and argue against a tax. Thank God I work at the Heartland Institute. We're against all taxes. So, well, thank you. Yes. No. Okay. So now to this, what, the reason I'm going to have you on this podcast today, you've been all over the news. You've been in the Beeb. I'm, I'm a little bit jealous of that one. And it's all because of this latest vaping hospitalization scare. Um, you know, that the reports that there have been hundreds of young adults across in, about, I think it's 22 states that I saw from the CDC um, that have been hospitalized due to vaping. Um, some of them are saying e-cigarettes, most of it's vaping. Um, let's talk about that. What is going on with this? I guess, I mean, you've been interviewed, so you, I'm just going to let you take it from here. 
So what appears to be happening is you have, especially in states where marijuana is not legal recreationally, people want THC vaping cartridges that can screw on to a battery for an e-cigarette, but they can't obtain, they can't obtain them legally. And there's a whole burgeoning market, even just for packaging for, uh, bright, elaborate, flashy colored packaging for people to fill in their own THC cartridges with their own homemade brews and get it out to the public on the black market. And in most of the cases, the patients are admitting or eventually admitting that they were vaping THC cartridges bought on the street in California, Utah, New Mexico, several other states, you have the health departments really making clear that this is a THC problem, not a nicotine vaping problem. Uh, in Wisconsin, Wisconsin was one of the first states, if not the first state, to really uh, highlight these issues. Mm -hmm. Once it happened, you had the brother of one of the people that was hospitalized come out to the media and say, we want to warn the public, it is these THC cartridges. And unfortunately, what, what seems to be happening is that among the young people that claim to have only been vaping nicotine, they may not be telling the truth. Naturally, if you have a young person, they're already feeling like they're in trouble because they're having to be in a hospital and costing their parents money, um, admitting to also vaping or pri primarily vaping marijuana uh, can be tough to do. There was a doctor that was quoted in USA Today from New York saying that they ran a mil million dollars worth of tests on a youth. And then it took his parents to go search his room and find a cartridge in it. And lo and behold, the cartridge contained marijuana. And so there's a whole lot of ways that this could happen. Extracting THC from leaf marijuana can be done 100% safely, but that's usually not going to happen or often not going to happen on the black market. There have been uh, black market cartridges tested in California that tested for, uh, there's a uh, chemical called microbutanol that's not allowed to be used as a pesticide on tobacco because tobacco is lit and inhaled. And that chemical in one cartridge that was tested back in June was 7,300 times the limit for California. Oh, wow. Uh, for California legal recreational THC cards. And that chemical, microbutanol, when you heat it at 400 degrees Fahrenheit, it converts to hydrogen um, uh, cyanide. Oh, wow. So, and that is a respiratory uh, destroyer. That's just one theory as to what could be going on here. But the bottom line is, is that it's, uh, as Dr. Michael Siegel largely explained this weekend on his blog, um, doesn't really seem to be biologically plausible in many of these cases for nicotine vaping products to be the cause. So we've been very active uh, in the past two weeks trying to get that message out to the media so that smokers are not misinformed. Yes. Now, okay, so okay, so we know it's black market products. Um, what, what what are the implications of this? I mean, I know that looking at here, this is like the... I'm on I'm, I'm, I'm like two sides of the aisle right now. One, I think it could be awesome for regulated 
you know, register with the FDA, electronic vaping, you know, electronic cigarettes and vaping products. Um, this could be really good as far as this whole need to make sure that they're still around so you don't push it into a black market and have these issues. Um, but at the same time, as you saw when the Surgeon General and the FDA last year just decried a youth vaping epidemic, we got this onslaught of legislation this year um, and that was reactionary. Um, do you? What's your opinion on either of those? It would be helpful if the CDC and FDA either now or after they conduct testing on some of these cartridges. And I have some concerns about the FDA's uh, readiness to actually test things for, for THC uh, toxins. But it would be very helpful if they actually talked about this issue as uh, this is primarily or all a THC black market issue. As of yet, they're not doing that. The general public, some of them are getting the message that these uh, lung illnesses are likely not caused by nicotine vaping products, but we all know that people just read headlines. Yep. You see it on Twitter every day, where even if the story in the second or third paragraph says THC, you still have people responding to the news story saying, oh, I knew those cloud-blowing people were going to kill themselves soon enough. Yes. Um, so there can be, you can turn this and, and make it clear to people in one-on-one -on -one conversations and through writing that these are not responsible companies uh, making nicotine vaping products that are responsible for this. But ultimately, uh, we have probably another 20 months minimum of hell to go through before you have products that have actually been potentially approved by the FDA for PMTAs. And that could take even longer um, since the FDA often runs dysfunctionally yeah it's the worst agency and the executive uh, branch oh did i say that out loud oops <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so i know because you probably got you know more important interviews to go on this week um i don't want to keep you here too long okay so moving into you know the rest of the year which i, I don't imagine is going to get any better and going into next year what can you expect us to expect um, from state lawmakers and even just localities? Well, um, on two fronts, the feds and the data, we could see movement on Representative Frank Pallone's bill, his anti-cigarette, anti-menthol, anti-everything bill. After Congress returns from its break, he's certainly been roaring up on the PR front. Uh, we will see. And then in, a, in or around September, we should expect the release of the 2019 National Youth Tobacco Survey data. Okay. And if that shows an increase in e-cigarette use, and keep in mind this, was, uh, this would be data collected February, March, April of this year. Um, if the data shows an increase, then it just adds uh, to the arguments of anti-vaping yeah. opponents that these products need to be tightly regulated, taxed like cigarettes, flavors, banned, et cetera. And if smoking among you uh, goes up, last year it went up, but it was up in a way that was not statistically significant, um, that would also be bad news. We're at such low levels of smoking yep. that it can be hard to see statistically significant increases or decreases. Okay. All right. And, okay. So any advice for listeners and where can we find out more information or where can we look for some of your quotes to the press recently? 
if you go to any news outlet, Google News, and search American Vaping Association, you'll see that we have been uh, anywhere and everywhere that will take us the past two weeks. And my recommendation to any consumer listening is if you are not a member of CASA, CASA.org, C-A-S-A-A.org, the consumer group, we definitely join. Keep fighting. Keep telling your story to people. And don't be quiet. Uh, our website is vaping.org, and you can sign up for our mailing list there. Well, thanks for joining us again, Greg. Thank you. All right. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of our Voices of Vapors podcast series. For more podcasts, including more of this series, please visit heartland.org or search for the Heartland Daily Podcast on iTunes. To learn more about tobacco harm reduction, please see our alcohol and tobacco page at heartland.org. Thanks. Looking to show off how much you care about freedom? Need a gift for someone? Head to the Heartland Institute store at store.heartland.org for t-shirts, posters, and books all advancing the freedoms you cherish. Grab a bumper sticker and show the world you believe in liberty. Find Heartland books such as Why Scientists Disagree About Global Warming, Power to the People, Nothing to Fear, and the Kid-Friendly Constitution. Grab a Heroes of Freedom t-shirt featuring Ayn Rand, Milton Friedman, Friedrich Hayek, and Martin Luther King Jr., or get one of our always popular Don't Tread on Me shirts with Heartland's unique design. Those will be sure to start a conversation at your next barbecue or at the gym. Your destination for the freedom lovers in your life is the Heartland Store. Go to store.heartland.org and get shopping today. Today.